Entrepreneurs Podcast. Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. And today I have, I think this is the third time, my friend David Olds from Chattanooga, Tennessee. How are you doing, Dave? Good, man. Did you ever air the first two? I know we did. We did one like this. You were in your office. I did one live and then this one maybe. Oh yeah, we did. We did. Uh, we did one like this. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's on. That's on YouTube somewhere. <laughs> and then we did the one in the office where I noticed the audio on that one was horrible. Was um, it? Why? Yeah, I don't know why, but it, it's. I'm picky about the audio, man, because I've been podcasting for like five years now, and yeah. and when I upload something and it doesn't sound right. I just get furious because I spent so much money on 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 microphones and yeah. But you did know. you see that thing? Um, what's his name? Josh Color posted the other day in Family that thing that would like redo the 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 audio. No. Oh, dude, it was incredible. Go back and listen to it. You could probably have your VAs just recycle the audio and it cleaned it up. It was impressive how it went. How how much better it got. Wow. It. Yeah, I'll check it out. So. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing, man. I got, if you look at my studio here, I got a roadcaster with, mm. you know, microphones and cameras and, and I expect because I have good quality equipment for, yeah. for the podcast to be high quality. Right. And when it's not high quality, I, I take it, I take it to where I'm like, okay, where did we fail? Was it, was it my production guy? Was it, the systems that we have running, I don't know. So I start questioning things. That's why I picked up this new platform that we're doing this uh, this podcast on called um, RESTREAM. Yeah, RESTREAM. Yeah, RESTREAM or whatever. Yeah, you know, because the, the RE, the, I call it the REI stream. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're making like, it your own? You think you're going to white label that? It's like REI stream, right? Like, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, RESTREAM. And... I really like it. I enjoy it. I think this is the way I'm gonna start podcasting from now on. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people cannot come to the to the to the office or it's or tough. it's tough because they gotta get plane tickets and flying and out or whatnot. But anyhow, man, what have you been up to? Let's talk about let's talk about last year. So Ooh, like, thank I God like it's our, fucking over. <laughs> yeah, That's what I got well, to say about dude, 2022. December 31st. I was so happy, like uh, New Year's Eve. I was like, "Done, 2022 is gone." Man, all so, you saw of me was just assholes and elbows running out of 2023. Man, I wanted out of that or 2022. I wanted out as bad as uh, as bad as possible. Yeah, man, it was a tough year, tough year for uh, for wholesaling. Great for our other businesses, but the wholesaling business it was it was certainly a struggle. Um, and that's definitely something you know most people don't talk about in the uh, the Instagram Instagram guru slash influencer world, right? It's all yeah. uh, Rolexes and Lambos, um, but we know all those guys, and it was it was definitely a uh, a struggle. As honestly, I've been predicting for for a long time. You know, when you start to go through that market shift, you know, you lose the equilibrium in the market between buyers and sellers, and sellers' expectations are just so high. Buyers get overly conservative, and you know, until you bridge that gap and get back to equilibrium, which I think we're getting back to now. Um, yeah, I mean it's 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 just a struggle to to find the quantity of deals like like we were getting before. Yeah, I was uh, telling you offline uh, when when uh, before we started the stream mm -hmm. that uh, we didn't do the amount of deals that we normally did uh, yeah. in a year. Yeah. Uh, for us, average was anywhere from a hundred to one hundred and fifty. That's average. Yeah. Last year we 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 came way too short uh, on our revenue. Like you, luckily for me, I do have a VA company that started out of nowhere and that kind of mm -hmm. like um, helped me, you know, navigate these waters. Also, our events and, and uh, all those seminars that I'm doing in on the East Coast that are like in Spanish and all that. Yeah. That also brought in some revenue and, you know, multiple streams of income. Right. You know, sure, uh, sure. you also have rental properties and mm -hmm. and. And you just don't rely on one thing, which is the wholesaling. You yeah. know, you you're you're diversifies. But but let's talk about 2022, man. Sure. Because 2022 was coming up on on like a lot of people made a lot of money on the first two quarters. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like, and for those of you that don't understand what a quarter is, um, the the year is divided in four quarters. 
Each one of them in how many months? Three. Three, Three months. So January, February, and March is Q1. April, May, and June is Q2. Yeah. And and on up till then, everything was beautiful. Uh, I, like Especially the guys that were selling to hedge funds and, yeah. and, and locking up deals at 90% to sell it for 98%. I mean, we saw a lot of crazy things, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that was, I feel like I knew that was an unsustainable model. And we were never the super big hedge fund people. That was never, wasn't that we didn't want to, we just, it never, for some reason, happened for us. Like that wasn't our model. Um, you know, and a lot of people say they were selling these these places to hedge funds for 50, 60 grand. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. I don't know, man. There's a lot of bullshit in our in our industry. Yeah. Um, it's hard to tell who's who's telling the truth and who's not. Um, yeah, but for us, first two quarters were good. And, you know, as you know, the year before we had we had gone through a little restructuring. Um, so, you know, we were we were growing, growing, growing. We were adding people to the team. Some of them were the right people, some of them weren't. And, you know, like in all small businesses, of course, we have churn, we have turnover with people. Um, and about, about the middle of the year before it kind of really started, we sort of wiped out our acquisition staff and started bringing in new people, brought in some new training. Um, we hired Eric Klein to do our, our acquisitions training. And, uh, you know, and then just the bottom sort of fell out. So for us, just a lot of things happened all at once. Um, but the good news is, the team that we have now survived all of that. We still made some money. Um, September, October, November were just abysmal months. And, uh, you know, December kicked back off pretty good. And, you know, we're, we're back back on track here for January. Good. Good to hear, man. So same thing happened to us. Uh, uh, aside from the team, like, that was mm -hmm. not my challenge last year. My challenge was... Um, so we relied a lot on texting for marketing right and those texting rules started changing real fast mm -hmm. and the things that we were able to get away with on the first two quarters we couldn't get away with on the last two quarters because yeah. our systems got shut down that's yeah. actually another side of revenue that i lost was the texting <laughs> the texting revenue right. um and but we're back on track now we're, we should be texting already or next week um we we found a way to to get reactivated and be completely mm -hmm. compliant and, and legal so yeah uh we will be doing that next week but um aside from that we stopped marketing through texting probably somewhere around august maybe and that completely delayed our own marketing channels yeah. uh, bringing deals in so we were relying a lot on JVs. Thank God we have a, J, a, a very heavy JV Dispo yeah. uh, operation. And actually right now, we probably have 12 to 15 contracts that are all JVs. Yeah. So uh, those JVs were helping us, you know, um, keep some revenue coming and, and not be bled 100% from, from, yeah. from like guys like you that – I know Charles had like 67 contracts and he called me one day and he said, man, I'm canceling almost half of them yeah. uh, because they were either too high or, or whatever. But there were multiple things happening last year. Last year was a weird year. Like uh, on your case, you were, you were restructuring your team mm -hmm. and you probably build it and rebuild it maybe two or three times. <laughs> well, right? I think you're caught. You're, uh, gee whiz. Sure. Um, you know, anybody that's in a small business you're constantly taking that team and either like a rubik's cube twisting it turning it trying to get it right or like clay you're always molding it to try to find the right people um you know and i've been hiring people for 30 something years you know in different industries and you know retail and you know manufacturing and stuff and you know it's like a tenant right same thing you you know you bring somebody in you think they're going to be great you can test them you can do all the stuff you want you know, maybe they're right for the, maybe they're right for the job. Maybe they're not. And I used to get really hung up on that. Like, oh God, I hired another one. It didn't work. I'm like such a failure. And, you know, our mutual friend, Steve Richards, that runs Team Architects, uh, we were on a call one time and he said, God, what do you say? Something like uh, the average, they did a survey of Fortune 500 companies and the average employee only lasted 18 months. And those are Fortune 500 companies that have the greatest HR people from every Ivy League school running their companies. 
like the fact that a small business, we have somebody to last four to six, seven months, and then they, they turn over is not terrible. That's just the nature of what we do. And you throw on the top of that, that these are sales type people, right? Because we don't have this churn in, in our transactions company, because that's very stable business. But, you know, sales where you're held to a standard and, you know, you have to be, you know, producing, you know, not everybody's built for that. Yeah, in my case, I went overseas, so I, I, I mm -hmm. all, all my salespeople, yeah, they're kind of like employee minded oriented, mm -hmm. uh, if you will. So, and they like the the steady paycheck, they like yeah. the commission because we have a hybrid. Um, mm -hmm. But overseas doesn't kill me when I have a bad month. Right, right, right. Uh, here, if I would have had a sales floor uh, in the Houston office, I would have probably had to wipe off people like somewhere around October or, or November because we weren't just closing enough deals. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, wow. we do have a sales floor and it was a struggle. <laughs> anyway, that's telling you it wasn't a struggle is full of crap. I'm telling you. Well, for me, it was a struggle too, because I still have payroll overseas, yeah. right? So just because it's overseas, that, that doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It does hurt because yeah. you're still in the five figures, you know, sure. somewhere in the middle. It's high five figures. It's not low five figures. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, uh, maybe I don't have a payroll that's six figures, like some guys, you know, they, mm -hmm. they, in, in between marketing and payroll, they, they they're over a hundred to $200,000 per month. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm not there and I don't want to get there right now. Like the, I don't yeah. think this is the moment to do that. Um, unless you're doing PPC and your PPC is turning mm -hmm. and burning real fast. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, some guys do amazing with PPC. Uh, I, I I am going to start doing PPC uh, using uh, actually Brandon Bateman, who's coming to our our event. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, he, he's coming to the event and he's going to speak nice. on 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 PPC stuff, I guess. Yeah. And and uh, you know, I've heard a lot of great things about him, and and, yeah. and I'm, I'm going to give him the chance to run my PPC campaigns. Mm -hmm. I just haven't made up my mind on when that's going to happen yet because it, yeah. it, it has a lot to do with my team. My team is used to uh, nurture leads with yeah. SMS and cold calling. Right. So when you go to PPC and those are inbound leads, your response time has to be uh, very, very fast. fast. Yeah. So I have and to we've make done sure that. that. Yeah, we went through that, that clutch and break. And I definitely want to talk about SMS where we were 100% heavy on SMS kind of in, in our company's previous life where we were sending 50,000, 70,000 texts a, uh, you know, a week where, when it was just completely unregulated, you know, it was like just the fucking wild, wild west, you know, three years ago to where, you know, it's just getting so difficult to, you know, to run effective large scale SMS that, you know, we had to clutch and break out and go to, to a uh, PPC campaign. And I'll be honest, man, I love it. It's so much easier. It's just, you know, I don't spend my day, you know, filled with people coming in the office saying, well, what list next? What, you know, what city next? What, you know, because your data burn is so extensive on SMS. I mean, you're just, you're just burning through, through cities like, like Grant took Richmond. So um, PPC, we like it. It's, you know, we, we uh, you know, about once a quarter, I sit down, I evaluate the markets that we're in, um, you know, where are the leads coming from, where are the leads coming from that are actually closing. And then, you know, let's say, Houston was on our list or whatever, right? Well, we've got no leads from Houston. We're close, obviously close no deals. Let's take, let's kill Houston and add Raleigh, North Carolina, right? So we can, it's, it's just very easy to manage. And then you can just turn the dial up slowly, but surely, you know? Good deal, man. And and uh, and uh, what about easy, man? So a, a lot of people don't yeah. even know you own Easy REI Closings, uh, which is a transactional coordinating company yeah. Yeah. that service people like me. So uh, yeah. Tell me about easy, man. What's what's easy? If somebody, is, it, yeah, if I'm somebody that's looking to maybe yeah. add a TC to to my team, why yeah. would I go to easy and not get a TC? Well, you definitely can. You know, here's here's what I tell people. You know, you can change your own oil, or you can go to Jiffy Lube. You can go to the grocery store tonight and buy all the stuff to make yourself some pasta, or you can go to Olive Garden. Um, here's the, let me say this: one way or the other. If you are going to grow your business past two to three deals per month, you're going to have to have to, you're going to have to start outsourcing some things, right? Not just um, and when I say outsourcing, let's just say you bring somebody into your office, right? Somebody's going to handle texting. Somebody's going to handle acquisitions. Somebody's going to handle the uh, 
um, you know, the, the transactions, right? Because there's a lot of bits and pieces and parts that go into getting these deals closed. And, you know, the one thing that, that we do as investors, right? We go after people who are in what? Distress, which is awesome, right? They need help. That's our job as investors. We're here to help sellers. But typically, <laughs> those people that are in distress, it's bankruptcy, foreclosure, divorce, tax liens, bankruptcy, you know, all the, the shit, right? We, we reach into the bottom of the lead bucket and scrape off of the bottom. And that's awesome because one, they are motivated to, you know, it's, a, it's an easier conversion cycle than somebody who has no motivation. But on the flip side, here's the thing, you have to be able to clear those deals. All those problems, those pain points that you targeted, well, they have to be cleaned up on the other side and somebody has to be able to do it. And what we found, because we've been doing this for 20 years, new investors struggle with that, right? I struggled with that when I was new. Um, you know, I remember going to a title company and <laughs> taking in a contract and the title, uh, the attorney's like, no, we can't do this. And I'd be like, well, throw that contract and, you know, throw it out because, you know, this guy, his opinion was we couldn't close it. And we just got really good at asking the question, well, what can we do? So anyways, the, the whole idea behind Easy REI Closings is we act as the, the virtual transaction coordinator for wholesalers and investors all across the country. We're the only company that works in all 50 states and does all transaction types, whether it's Novations, wraps, Sub2, Wholesale, uh, you know, land contracts, lease options, all of that stuff. So our whole goal is very simple, very simple. I want to help you as the investor do more deals and make more money next year, right? We just want to spin that wheel faster and faster and faster because that's the most thing. That's the thing that's the most important to you, right? So the easiest way for me to explain it to people is it's like a relay race, right? Like when we were in high school, and we all had to run around the track and you have that little baton. So the minute you go out and you have your contract with Mrs. Smith, who's the seller, you know, the owner of record, you get that contract, you hand it off to me. Now, instead of you trying to decide, oh, what title company am I gonna use in West Virginia? Oh, will they even do this type of transaction? Let me stop and go gather death certificates and all that paperwork that is so time consuming that nobody ever tells you about in Guru World. Now we're gonna take all of that off your plate so you just worry about selling your deal. Now, same thing, I get uh, Bob the Builder who's gonna buy my deal. Just give that contract to us. We'll talk to Bob. And then now we're going to coordinate everything with the title company so that you don't have to worry about that. You're just going to, the question for you is going to be, do you want a check or a wire, right? We're going to schedule the closing. We're going to help to do anything that we can to clear the title within reason, right? Like obviously we can't fly to Nebraska to knock on somebody's door, but you know, anything that we can do to, uh, you know, help this thing get done quicker. And what happens is we found that a lot of people that will, that come in and, uh, come as clients that are doing two to three deals a month. Well, now they can do six, seven, eight deals a month because that 20 or 30% of their brain power that was messing around with paperwork and nonsense, now they're focused on doing more deals, talking to more sellers, talking to more buyers, making more money. We have a great question here, David. Now he yeah. meant, what do you think La Solenina Alvarado, who's actually coming to attend growth, awesome. uh, he's coming from New Jersey. What do you think happened to the shifted in the industry after Q2. Sure, um, sure. We're going to talk about that in a minute, Lenin. Yeah. So stay tuned. Because uh, yeah. I want to ask a couple other questions uh, to David about Easy. Um, and shout out to Carlos Rodriguez, who's uh, saying, what's up? Basically, up. yeah. So uh, excited for the event in February. That one is Facebook user. I don't know who that is. Um, but yeah, we're excited too. Uh, David is coming and he's always bringing uh, his crew. Um, but anyhow, uh, so Easy is a transaction coordinating company that's helping yep. not only wholesalers, but also other types of investors, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to start working with realtors here probably middle to end of Q2 since we're talking about you know quarters. Um, and then we've also started the search for a... Uh, to be able to open our own title company. That's like actually new news. I haven't talked about that any place. Wow. Uh, we've, we've started working, um, interviewing with some kind of nationwide title companies where they sort of not, not franchises, but anyways, where we can buy into that. So that's something that we're looking to have in place by the end of the year. Awesome, man. Congratulations. I hope it happens yeah. soon. Uh, um, you know, uh, the, by the way, you still need to, to talk to Mike Steyer with- uh, I know. I, I, and they're I, probably I, yeah. they can probably help you with that yeah so 
Yeah, because what happens is, you know, we close 60 to 80 deals right now uh, per month for investors. And, you know, our goal is to be at, you know, 500 clients within the next 18 months. So even at a conservative number, you know, that's a thousand closings per month. So we need to we need to have a little more control over it. So we're going to probably get into the title business at some point. We had a meeting yesterday with a with a local title company. I've seen actually people going to the title business and uh, exiting even the the other business they came from uh, because yeah. very profitable. It's 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 cookie cutter. Even though there's a lot of um, yeah. nuances on 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 title, how to clear title and mm -hmm. and do it correctly and all that. But you can tap into the into the uh, regular market where you're yeah. now marketing to agents that are bringing you cookie cutter houses that easy don't have that many problems right that, that those yeah. are easy um so so it opens up a whole new world for you uh, uh yeah. I, I tell people, I tell people yeah. all the time man like because we're all wholesaling today right like you, you got a wholesaling operation i have one and our friends that are usually uh that we're hanging out with have, mm -hmm. have one but eventually if you find something that's better and that's, well, yeah, you know. and I, that, it's a good point. I, I thought about that earlier when we started talking. You know, wholesaling is an amazing place for everybody to start um, because it's it's very low risk, doesn't cost a lot of money. Like literally, you could do this with no money. That's how we started. Broke as the day is long. Yeah, um, right. and we just went out there, and you know, I've talked about it a million times how we did it. But uh, yeah, it's a fantastic place to start. It may, wholesaling is the greatest equalizer, right? Whether you are, you know, rich, poor, tall, you know, short, skinny, fat, whatever, everybody can do it, right? And you don't even need to leave your house. It's a little more difficult, but like you can do it. So, so it's a great place to start. And, you know, very few people do it for 13 years. I've done it because I'm too dumb to quit, but, you know, it's this great pillar that you can build other businesses around. You know, so for us, we started with wholesaling and then we added rentals and then we added when the market was right, we added rehabs, you know, and then we started some, some other businesses that have, but it's all shot off of wholesaling. You know, that has definitely been the core of everything that we do and, uh, you know, big believer in it. And I would encourage anybody, if you're thinking about getting into real estate, you know, and you like talking to people and you got a little bit of hustle to you, it's a fantastic place to start. You're right. And so like. Uh, I got to wholesaling later on. I didn't mm -hmm. start wholesaling right away. No. I was flipping and being a landlord and all that. Yeah. But now that I, I, you know, I started fully doing wholesaling probably towards the end of 17, uh, middle 17 towards the end, out of necessity because it wasn't because it was cool to wholesale. I needed to yeah. make money fast. Right. Um, I started my VA company, which revolves around wholesaling. I started my texting platform, which revolves around wholesaling. Uh, our data and, and texting kind of like goes hand in hand. Uh, yeah. My education goes around wholesaling. And eventually, if one of those companies grows to where they need more of my attention, mm -hmm. I probably won't be. Well, I'm not wholesaling today, by the way, because I'm not the one locking up deals and selling deals. I'm pretty yeah. sure you're on the same boat. Um, yeah, I forgot. Very the last rarely time I am I on the phone with anybody. Yeah, I forgot uh, the last time I talked to a seller and a buyer, right? Um, but if one of those businesses takes off to where I can use my infrastructure from wholesaling in that business to make it grow bigger mm -hmm. and go to new to new dimensions, yeah. why am I going to stay as a wholesaler? I mean, that was just a stepping stone to, to get to where I want to get, right? Yeah. Um, yes. So I mean, think about it like the guys from Batch to bring up yeah. a name. Yeah. Are they wholesaling today? No. No. They're going business development. They definitely on. moved on, right? They moved on and they, their business grew to where they're like, you know what? Why am I wasting time doing this thing where yeah. my energy and time can be invested in something that grows mm -hmm. bigger? Yeah. Right? Yeah. The thing that nobody talks about with with wholesaling is on a small scale, it's very profitable incredibly profitable um but then everybody wants to scale and i explain to people like you'll make less money your first year or two scaling because you've got a whether you're going to do va route or whatever you're going to do like there's cost of infrastructure and people and you know that cost that wasn't there before um 
and then there's learning curve. Like even with a great coach, you or me or somebody that, that's going to help them do that, there's still just the learning curve because all of us do things just just a little bit differently. Um, you know, and that's the great thing about real estate. You can you can do your business however you want. Um, and then you get it, you get it to a higher level, like like we've both had. And then, but that's expensive, right? There's no like now you're you're on the wheel, <laughs> you're on the hamster wheel, and you have to keep that wheel moving constantly, constantly, constantly. And, you know, a mentor of mine, most people don't know because he hasn't been, it was a long time ago when he was really started. It was Kenny rushing out of Tampa and I was at his office and he's like, listen, man, you know, like having a big team is awesome, but like being small is really cool too. And I remember when we were small, I could just shut off my marketing and we went to Europe for a month. Somebody collected the rent when they dropped it through the little slot in the door, made the deposits. My life was good it's a lot harder for me now to leave. I could probably leave now for a month. And in fact, my, the girls in my office would be really happy if I left for a month, but uh, <laughs> they dude, They told me I can't go to meetings anymore. We, she, they, Heather and Hannah, and they were doing interviews last week and they didn't even want me in the interviews. It hurt my feelings, man. I'm going to tell you, but, uh, but now, you know, it, it's harder to disconnect like that because I've got, you know, I've got whatever 20 people here that I have to make sure everything is running because they depend on the company, right? Like now we're CEOs, not hustlers. And we have to make sure our business runs because they have rent and, you know, and kids and, you know, car payments and, you know, mortgages and all those types of things. So it's a different level of responsibility for sure. Yeah. You got more people depending on you. Right. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. and, and it's like, okay, we didn't make money this month. You still got to pay them. One way or another. Pay. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, you still, you, you made that commitment to those people when you hired them. Um, you know, and that that was the struggle, right, for the three months. So the, you know, the bigger companies that survived through the second half of last year luckily had some reserves, um, you know, or, you know, you had to have the cash to make that payroll and make make all of those things happen. And, you know, you're doing it. You have to do it with an investment mindset, right? I'm investing in my company and, you know, we're going to come out of this better. Like we've got a plan and, you know, kind of all that stuff. But uh, a lot of people went out of business, man. I mean, a lot of people, Man, you know. I saw so many people sweating it, you know, like, uh, but this is a great question that Le uh, Lenin asked, right? So mm -hmm. I'm going to bring the question back up, which is, yeah. uh, what do you think happened on the second quarter, right? Multiple mm -hmm. things happened. Yeah. Easy. So it easy. wasn't just one question. thing. It was a perfect storm. Um, number one, yeah. inflation in our country uh, was going up out of control. So the feds yeah. need, needed to stop it. Mm -hmm. And in order for the feds to do that, they have to raise interest rates. Mm -hmm. When you raise interest rates, yeah. now buying power is reduced. Yeah. And also panic comes into 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 play. Like people think the world is going to end and none <laughs> is not going to end. Trust me. Yeah. yeah. No, these things happen. Here. It's very predictable. You know, you can always look back. And I don't even think that we're going to take a big drop. I think we pretty much plateaued, right? And I think we're going to probably start to see increases again the second half of this year. But 100%, you cannot go straight up into the right forever, right? Like anybody that wants to call this a political thing is crazy. You just can't print money forever and lend money at 1%. It just it you'll you will 100% run the, the economy into the wall. You'll just blow it up. So somebody had to do something. Was it the right thing? Fuck, I don't know, man. I'm not an economist. I, that's not my thing. But yeah, I mean, something had to happen. I um, mean, when you see the price of cars, vehicles, dude, I just bought one. I know. <laughs> appreciate. That's crazy. That's when you know yeah. something is wrong because yeah. vehicles don't appreciate. Not in this country. Yeah. yeah vehicles only appreciate in countries that have and out of control inflation that's true that's true okay and that's what was happening here is our inflation was out of control yeah so i, I mean sold my wife's jeep and we made money on it i was i was getting yellow letters <laughs> from for my uh, jeep gladiator when i still had it last year yellow fucking letters for a car that was crazy dude wow. it was insane so somebody had to do something so and this is the thing i've uh, you know because i've been doing this for 20 years and been through a couple market corrections. Um, you know, this is different from 2008, 2007, 2008, 2009, 100% different, not the same thing. These fucking banana heads that are on, you know, social media saying it's the end of the world and foreclosures are up 300% are just 
looking for attention. Well, there, there's a them. lot of them. I mean, I, I was looking this morning on on Propstream. Yeah. At a, a pre foreclosures in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Man, there's a ton of them. There's like 600 of them uh, in yeah. one county and another 500 on the county next to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so but nationwide, dude, we're still, even though we're up 300%, we were at like a thousand percent low. You know what I mean? So we're still not anywhere. I've got a report from auction.com that somebody sent me. We're still at inc- historically low foreclosures. You know, still very, very low. And there's still such demand in the market um, that these these are just going to get absorbed up. It's not it's not anything. We're not going to be out there like investors making offers like we did before. It's, no, 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 are, no, no, no. These are all going to go back to, to 2008. No, no, it's not going to go back to that. OK, uh, because, number one, the banks, they they know that when they foreclose on a property, now they got to pay taxes on it. Yeah. They got to put insurance on it and they got to get squatters out of the way. Right. That's a problem they don't want to deal with. Yeah. So yeah, they're the smarter. Guys, the guys that were around in 2007, 8 are still around today. Last time they didn't know what the fuck to do with all these properties. Now they know, which is why they were doing all this forbearance. Because, again, not a banker, but once, once they start to foreclose on a property, it's tagged as bad debt. And that affects their lending ability. Right. So it's in a bank's best interest to try to work it out with you. Right. So that's why they were doing all this forbearance and things. And, that you know, and you want to keep good assets on the books. Right. You know, banks pulling back a lot of properties and having to set up these REO comp- property or departments and foreclosure. Like that's very expensive. You know, at the end of the day, it's not like they're making a lot of money. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're definitely going to see some, but so here's what happened last time because, you know, we went through it and we were, we were investing is when we were at the top of the market, we didn't see, you know, it's like we were on the train tracks. We sort of knew something was happening, but we couldn't see how close the train was, right? You just didn't, you didn't have a good feel for it. And the drop that we went through almost overnight probably took almost a year before. Right? It's just a very slow, slow, slow burn until the legs just finally got kicked out from underneath us in real early 2009. Um, and I remember being in RIAs back then and all the gurus were running around teaching. I, I, I got to quit saying that like it's a derogatory term. All the people that were teaching real estate education, you know, they were teaching how to buy foreclosures and stuff like that. And us too, right? We, we were on that plan. We were on subject to, we were buying leads from foreclosure daily. Well, what happened is for years, Banks finally were starting to take these properties back and they just flooded the market all at once. And in a place like Florida, it just decimated the the economy, right? Um, So the difference between then and now is today, what's different that we didn't have in 2009? Fucking social media, Snapchat, Instagram, Snapadoodle, you know, all the things, right? 14, 24-hour news channels. Back then, you only had Dan Rather which was depressing enough if you watched him at 6.30 talking about how they didn't know if the economy was going to open up the next day. So what happened this time is all of a sudden the Fed raised, raises rates and then poof, like it fucking stopped. It was like it was like somebody pulled the emergency brake for investors because today what's the difference? Like all investors are very keyed into what, uh, you know, what's going on, right? So they immediately just stopped. Like everybody panicked and just stopped. Now, what happened is, you know, we had equilibrium. All of a sudden buyers are, you know, on the bell curve. Buyers are like, oh, there's a problem. I need to buy with more spread if I'm going to buy at all. Sellers are like, hey, my house, my neighbor's house sold for, you know, $10 billion last week. You know, we're still good. And it just has taken time for those sellers to realize, you know, that the market's not where it was. And then once they come down and we have equilibrium again, then we're good. Um, because it doesn't matter if we're at the top or the bottom, right? Wholesalers, investors, we can make money because everybody's got an equal expectation of what the market is. When it was high, that's cool. Sellers knew they were on top of the world. Buyers knew they were going to overpay. Everybody knew. Now that we're back down at the bottom, like now we can, we can help the sellers that need to be helped because they're reasonable and the buyers have the same expectation of where pricing is. That brings up a good question. I'm going to show you here by Lenin, right? Lenin is brand new. He's a, he's a, yeah. he's a newbie. He's about to get his first contract. Nice. Okay, he's one wow. of my students. Uh, he's on one of my, um, he's on my uh, community. Okay. The Hispanic community. So I teach them in Spanish, how to wholesale and yeah. prospect and all that. And he's got a question, which is very valid. 
You see that good time now for newcomers like us. Yes. So let me tell you, when I started wholesaling, it was in June, uh, mid-June 2009, which could be the shittiest time in history. <laughs> Go back and look and look at the market. But here's what I will tell you. The, one of the reasons that we're so successful now is because we, we really got good at, um, sorry, one of my monitors is going, we got really good at dispoing properties when there were no buyers around, right? We got really good at figuring out what they wanted and, you know, bringing the exact product to them that, that they, that they needed. So, um, first off, this is not then, but no, it's always a good time to get into the market. So here's the, the misnomer that, that people, um, I think get into, right. They tie investment real estate to retail real estate. And that's not our business. We're in the business of helping people solve problems, right? We can all agree on that. So, let's go back to the top of the market when things were fucking bananas crazy right who were we helping people who had motivation and they needed to sell quickly right they could not go the traditional route so if they couldn't go the traditional route at the fucking peak of the market when things were bananas and people were paying a lot of money what do you think is going to happen when we're at the bottom of the market right these people's you know life still happens to people right? They're still death. They're still divorce. There's still taxes. There's still foreclosure. There's still bankruptcy, right? People are getting job transfers. All of those things are still happening, probably in a greater, um, you know, greater numbers than they were before. Divorce. So, yeah. So this is a great time to be an investor, right? That let all the banana heads, let them all jump out, right? And that's, and that's going to happen, right? At the top of the market, you had all the people who were making easy money, you know, they all bailed out, you know, when we went through this little drop and luckily this, this drop seems to be pretty quick, but then we're going to have a new group of people like him jump in or like, Hey, I realized that I can make a whole bunch of money in real estate. It's great that all those other goofballs left. Cause now I'm in here and I can have a, a greater market share. Yeah. I saw a post by Nick Perry saying, uh, I buy your domain. If you're a wholesaler oh, yeah, and, yeah, you're yeah, not, yeah. and you're not, uh, I will buy your domain, you know, cash yeah. or something like that. Right. Yeah. Cause he, he knows that, you know, there is a lot of those guys that came in, made a little bit of money, and and now that things are going back to normal, where yeah. you actually have to put in your time, you have to actually make the calls, pick up the phone, do the dials, and do the grunt work. Yeah, some of those posers are gonna leave. Oh, uh, or most of them will leave, right? And and then guys like us, which we're just gonna adjust to whatever yeah. is going on in the market. Period. Yeah. Yeah. Unless your your transactional company grows so big that it requires all your attention, then yeah, you're gonna exit a wholesaling operation because it makes no sense time wise for you to be there, right? Yeah, um, I'm gonna tell you, dude. That's that's probably a thing that's gonna happen this year, and I'm, I have really mixed feelings about it. We, I was talking to Heather yesterday, um, my VP of operations. Like that's gonna be a that's gonna probably happen this year, um, you know. And after doing it for 13 years. You know, it was hard enough to stop rehabbing, but to stop wholesaling, man, man, I'm not sure how I feel about that because <laughs> I love it. Like, I love the business. You know, I, I like doing all that stuff. But, yeah, there's only so much bandwidth, right, as as our coaching increases and, you know, speaking and, you know, we're running around all over the country um, doing great events like yours. And then, you know, the transaction company, which 3X last year, which will probably 5X this year. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just you know you've only got so much attention span to give to different things yeah shout out to um to manjot he's he came to the last event he's coming to the next one he's awesome, enjoying dude. the conversation um he's uh he's excited that he's coming to the next event but it happens david and and you know in my case as long as i'm teaching wholesaling i will be involved in wholesaling one way or another right yeah. uh because I like to put my money where my mouth is, basically. Right. Hey, this is what right. I'm doing right now, and it works for me. It's going to work for you as well. Yep. I'm not like some of those gurus that we both know that they teach it, but they don't practice it. And they love collecting the fees from their students. Um, yeah, man. I, I can't do that. Morally, That I, I cannot go that route. So as long as I'm teaching wholesaling, to people, even if it's one person, I yeah. better be doing it, right? 
Yeah, no, um, I agree. And there's a lot of those people out there. There's a lot so, of them. So many. Big, well, big names. Yeah, the big names, they're out there and 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 they're 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 uh, they're teaching this, but they're not doing it. And they're and they yeah. and when you gotta when you're going through struggles, they just don't how can they assist you? You can't relate, right? You know, like how can they help you if you're going through a struggle? Hey, my marketing campaign is not working. Yeah. What am I doing wrong? Right. Well, just try this other thing, right? And and they're just copying what someone else is doing. Yeah. Um because they're in the circle, they're in the 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 circuit, I would call yeah. it. Yeah. So they know cold calling is done this way, bandit science is done this other way. Yeah. Um PPC, just go do PPC. That's the answer, right? No, it's not the answer because call this can, guy I got an affiliate code and use him, right? Yeah, now all of a sudden you see somebody pushing PPC like crazy because they just got an affiliate code and they're just making money that way. Yeah. Now um, I do think, I'll be honest, I, I think PPC is probably the future. Um and let's let's talk about this because you're you're super heavy SMS guy. I think it's pretty much dead. I mean, I, I yeah. think it's I think it's done, man. I think uh, you know, the government's not going to do away with it, but I think carriers, Verizon, AT&T, Sprint, I think they fucking had enough. They, um, I think they they've did. got old ladies like my mother calling them going, how do I stop this? It just it never stops. Yeah, and it's because people abuse it, right? So I get a message yesterday from this girl. Yeah. I'm not going to mention her name. Ricardo, Twilio, shut down my account. Um, oh, and I was like... And she's like, what are you using? And I was like, well, I'm using my own system right now. And, and she's like, how much is it? And I was like, well, it's $13.97 a month. Well, that's crazy. That's too expensive. I said, exactly. That's what I want. Because I don't want any of you guys that are not, that don't know how to text, yeah. abuse the system. Yeah. And 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 the one of the ways we stay compliant is by having a human being behind it. Click, yeah. click, 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 right? Human intervention. And then we register the company with 10 DLC, which by the way, if somebody says, I'm gonna sue you, they know exactly what your EIN number is, your address, yeah. your company name, the whole nine yards, right? Yeah. So you're taking risks now that in the yeah. past, it was the wild, wild west, man. Oh, like dude, we were there, man. Right? Hey, yeah. just just put that uh, your one, two, three, me <laughs> LLC and just text and you're good like no big deal right nobody's gonna be, ever find you that's not the case anymore and, and you gotta have opt-in and out languages in there you gotta have a bunch of things that that yeah. reduces drastically the 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 level of engagement yeah. that you get from a from a from a seller but this is the key right and you mentioned it earlier David you mentioned it earlier we are problem solvers number one mm -hmm. What are we looking for when we're marketing? We're looking for people that need to sell fast. Right. That's the key. And we don't need to convince them that they have a problem in their hands. We just need to be the solution to the problem. That's it. Right? And 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 other than that, because I, I was on a call with uh, not Lenin, but it was Oscar. He's like, they're working yeah. together. Mm -hmm. And Oscar said, I convinced the seller to do this. I said, bro, you're not going to go far like that. Because yeah. by you convincing the seller, you convince the seller today, tomorrow they change their mind. They're not convinced anymore. That's exactly it. You'll have, a, you'll have such a hard time getting that deal to closing. I mean, it's just, just they will kick and scream all the way to closing. You know? Yeah. So this is not the business for convincing people. Mm -hmm. we're, just, we're just fishing. And we're fishing for the people that are that need to be helped. Yeah. Transition to the next, you know, hey, I got a problem, a property that's vacant, it's got yeah. squatters. I don't want to deal with those squatters. Can you be my buyer? Yes, I can be your buyer, right? Yeah. And I think I, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna say it here. I think banda signs are gonna make a comeback. I think the reason that SMS took I, I know the reason SMS took off so big, so fast, and was adopted by so many people is because it was cheap. The cost. Costs were so any literally anybody could sign up for one of these big mega companies and and just start texting. You know, my return on investment on, on SMS was just outrageous. Okay, Dude, I know, man. I, I mean, we you know up until we did our split, we lived on SMS. Um, but slowly they're they're just boxing they're just boxing that out where you can't do it. So 
Um, yeah, I think direct mail is going to make a little comeback because it's going to be cheaper than PPC. I think people are going to go back and do some bandit signs, which work great, but they have their own risk. Speaking of somebody who's been to the county, been to court a couple times, you know, there's some risk involved in, in that. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, ultimately, if you're, I think anybody who's going to have a, a large company is doing volume is going to be, is going to have to be on PPC. I think that's, that's just it. And then that will get oversaturated and then we'll have to figure out the next thing. Yeah. And, or and it's so expensive, you know, be like your texting platform. Well, PPC is getting expensive, right? So yes. my leads getting, have jumped almost uh, doubled in the last year. Yeah, it depends on, on where you're marketing, right? But if you're marketing yeah. on, a, on a city like, on a large metro area like Houston or San Antonio mm -hmm. or maybe Memphis or yeah. Nashville, Atlanta, I mean, the cost per click is going to be outrageous because you got mm -hmm. so many people trying to be on that first page. Yeah, that and the, the keywords are getting very expensive. Yeah, that for you to do PPC, you gotta have big pockets. You can't just say, I'm oh, gonna yeah. do $500 a month on PPC. That's too good. Yeah. No, no, if you're not spending, I don't know how you could spend less than 10 grand, to be honest with you, and yeah. on a couple different markets. And that 10 grand won't go far if your markets are Charlotte, Atlanta, and Miami. Right. You know, you're gonna have to mix in some secondary markets some smaller type counties in there. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's just, it is what it is, right? Times are changing. Inflation has hit marketing as well, I guess. Let's talk about a 10 growth, man. So you're coming. Yeah, dude. So excited. This is your fourth time, David. I think fourth, is it? Have we done it four times? Three, four? No, so we've done it three. This is number four. We've done three? Yeah, because we did one where Brad Lee came over. Okay. Then we did Miami, Miami and oh, then we did, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, did yeah, the one yeah. in June. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Here at the Norris Conference Center. Yeah. Man, that one, you you were on stage like five times. Uh, I know. I love it. Yeah. So uh, this time around, you're going to be on stage twice. You're going to be on, on the first day, actually. Yeah. Uh, you have 40 minutes, and then you're going to be on the, on, the, on the dispositions panel. Yeah, most likely on the creative finance panel as well, which are Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to ask you, what are you gonna, what are you gonna speak about? So on the forty minutes, we're gonna we're gonna talk about um, transactions and how to get your deals through the title company as quickly as possible. Of course, we'll talk about our company, Easy. Um, we'll talk about some of the clients that we've helped take from a hundred thousand dollars a month to eight hundred thousand dollars a month, and how we did that. And I'm gonna. I'm gonna change it up a little bit. I, you know, I know we're we're I don't know we're gonna we've got some special pricing stuff that we're gonna do that we're gonna roll out awesome. for, for your event that I is not going to be public. It's gonna be a one-time page um, because I know a lot of the people at this event are newer people. Um, so we're gonna do we're gonna do something cool. Um, so yeah, and then then I you know man I'd love to get up there and talk about dispositions and marketing and you know, all the steps of marketing and how we have taken our company and been so successful. So I'm excited to, to definitely talk about, about Dispo. I love doing that. And then creative financing, you know, the thing that most people don't know about me because I'm kind of known as the Dispo guy and the TC guy is that, you know, all of our real money, you know, is, is built out of creative financing and owner financing. So I absolutely love talking about that as well. Um, you know, I just had to do a personal financial statement for these refis that I'm doing. And our rental portfolios worth just a little over $8 million. And we have $6,000 in upfront money, right? So none of this nonsense that they, some of these guys are teaching, like go buy subject to and put a $50,000 second on it. Like we bought all um, direct from the seller and I, th I have three properties with $2,000 down. So, and it's worth $8 million right now. So, so yeah, so I, I love talking about that as well. Wow. So how to build that $8 million portfolio with $6,000 out of pocket, right? That, yeah. That and, and, and we'll talk about if, if we have time or, you know, whatever happens, but, you know, and we'll talk about how that meshed in perfectly with our wholesale business, how we kind of fell backwards into that strategy. Cause I think it was something that we created and you've, you've heard it, right? I don't know that a lot of people do it the way that we do it. Um, everybody wants to make it really complicated to do, to do owner financing. And, you know, my goal with everything is to make it as simple as possible. Cause I'm not that smart. So, you know, we believe simple is scalable and uh, yeah, we can, we can show, 
we can show any wholesaler how to bolt that right onto their business and make it seamless. And then, you know, how you can take your one in 10 conversion to maybe two in 10 or three in 10. Yeah, the properties that I personally bought uh, in the last six years, no, maybe less than that, probably three years, it's all been creative financing. It's, love it. I, love I, never, it. I never went to a bank. I never, um, I never put an application for a loan or anything like that. That's why uh, it's such a pain in the ass for me to do to do this refi. I, I did have a couple properties that I had to refi out of because I put them on a balloon, which was a big mistake. Anyways, my five years is up, and uh, I had to put together. Well, you can always returns. renegotiate and extend, right? Yeah. Well, I'm I'm already extended a few months. <laughs> So, right. So they, they need to just renew the loan, which so anyway, so I had to put together my, you know, because we're not we're not big bank people. Right. We've done everything, you know, with with direct with seller. So um, anyway, so I, I finally got all that done last week and I should do the paperwork this week and get it refied. And maybe we'll pull out a little bit of cash, too. We'll see a little bit. You've had those properties for a while now. Yeah, man. Yeah, we're, we're sitting on we're sitting on a bunch of equity. But yeah. You know, that was a thing the last couple of years, as I know everybody was just stripping out equity for low interest loans. And I get, again, everybody's got to do their business their own way. For me, you know, and you probably remember this, I remember a lot of people that lost their ass after the last recession because they were so over leveraged. Um, so that kind of scares me a little bit. You know, as an investor, I'm 51, man. I'm, I'm like an old timer in this business. I'm like really close to the finish line. I don't know that I want to, yeah, I could pull out $4 million cash tax free, but man, first off, I got to take that money and go invest it someplace, right? Because I have to get a return big enough to pay off, um, you know, to pay off the note that I just signed. And then, you know, now I'm locked into it for another 20 years of dealing with it. Whereas, you know, I'm done in seven or eight years and I can just put it all with a property manager and go someplace else and collect 50 grand a month. Like I'm done. You know, if I want yeah. to. Yeah. 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 I agree. Or, uh, you know, or, if this year wholesaling does very well, you can just start paying off properties, man. And, and yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, that's be true. done with it. I, I, I'm actually doing that with two properties I have. Uh, mm -hmm. um, one I may sell because I have so much equity in it that I'm like, I'd rather sell it. That's the thing. I don't like being a landlord anymore. So I don't enjoy, yeah. I don't enjoy that, like the call from the tenant or this tenant didn't pay or whatnot. Yeah. And, to me to go build a portfolio of houses i have to have a partner that wants to deal with that yeah well we we turned all i self-managed until two years two years ago year and a half ago maybe last year i don't know um but i turned it all over to a great property manager i don't the only thing i do is approve work orders at this point so it's pretty hands-off for me and you know they've actually done a great job raising my rents almost ten thousand dollars a month so um it's worked out good for me i you know i'm not on the ever sell plan like i know a lot of guys are they want to be in wraps and lease options and all these things and that's great again everybody run your business your own way right me and john jackson love to argue about this but uh you know i my thought is i went did all this work to to find the deal negotiate the deal close the deal you know get it all lined up i don't ever want it to pay off and close out right i mean from a you know a buyer i would much rather rent that and just have cash coming in every single month till for 50 years after I'm dead. Right. Like I want, want that generational wealth to leave to, uh, you know, leave to our kids and grandkids. So that's, that's just me, but everybody has to do their business their own way. Yeah. Well, David, thank you so much, man, for taking the time today of being thank here you. with me and uh, doing another podcast. Guys, don't forget okay. to hit share, like, and subscribe. Go find David at David Olsari on Instagram and He's putting yeah. all kinds of videos out there on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. Look yeah. up his company as well. If you're an experienced investor and you're actually doing uh, some transactions and you're you're in need of a transactional coordinator, why not get a bunch of transactional coordinators that know what they're doing? Yeah. Um, and that's easier. Right? Closings, who's actually sponsored to our event as well. Yeah. And Good. and come come see them in Houston, man. They're gonna be here February three, four, and five. Yeah. Uh, come shake their hand, um, you know, ask them questions personally. David also has vast information on Dispo processes. I learned a lot of my Dispo processes from, from David and, and, and his team. Uh, we actually paid a visit to Chattanooga. Yeah, I do. Here. I enjoy that, man. I, I, um, I saw that you were doing a, a, 
like a end of the year goal setting yeah. meetup. And I, I was looking at my calendar to see how I could fit it, but I was just, I was just swamped. Um, yeah, we're going to start doing a uh, monthly meetup again. I think our next one is the 24th, whatever Tuesday that week is. And I've got a friend of mine that's an appraiser. So we're going to bring him in and talk about the different, you know, what an appraiser looks at when valuing a property. And I think that'll be very helpful to, you know, wholesalers, right? Because we're, a lot of times they're just out there shooting in the dark. So, um, yeah, I don't get to be as active in my community, you know, real real estate community as I used to be because I, I travel so much and, and just get a little busy. So we, we're going to do start doing a monthly meetup here in our office. I've been, I've been thinking about that, David. So, you know, I was moving to Florida mm-hmm. um, and wife had plans approved the whole nine yards, right? Yeah. But then I started changing my mind because I wasn't satisfied with the schools that I was finding for the kids. Yeah. And my son loves the school he goes to and and moving him is kind of like doing, you know, uh, it's kind of like doing him a disservice, to be honest with you. Right. And then my daughter will actually get access to the school as well. Uh, It's a charter school, so it's not easy to get in. It's one of those schools that are like you have to apply. They got a they got some sort of a. you know, the selection process or whatnot, and then they they you get in, right? And then because my my daughter do- my son is in the school, my daughter can actually go to the school. So I changed my mind on moving. I said, Just more okay, more rich guy privilege that you got going on down there in Houston. <laughs> yeah. So I said, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna stay here in Houston. Yeah. But if I stay in Houston, what do I want to do while I'm here now? Right. Yeah. Because there is a lot of things that I didn't do last year because I was thinking I was leaving. Like I didn't buy more properties here. I didn't, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I didn't think about opening other businesses locally. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I always wanted to do. I wanted to diversify in into other ventures, right? So, mm-hmm. I think we're gonna we're gonna close the office in March, where the office that you that you know, um, because our lease is up. But I'm gonna find a place where I can turn it into an event center. Nice. And maybe and maybe start doing monthly meetups and and things yeah. of that nature. Uh, maybe do my own events in that event center because uh, mm-hmm. we leave a lot of money at the hotels. Oh my uh, gosh, yeah, a lot. Like it's every every time we do an event, the hotels takes fifty to sixty thousand dollars easily. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking, how can I channel that money to 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 an event center that I can do? And yeah. I don't know if you know Philip Vincent, but he I do, yeah. He's got his own event center in in St. Louis. How big is it? It's about, I think he told me it's 4,500 or 6,000 square feet, something like that. So that's what we have here is 6,000 square foot. But, you know, you've been here. We're chopped into, it's three different offices, the wholesale office, EZ, and the conference room. And I love that conference room, but we're actually hiring three new TCs because we're growing so fast. We're probably going to move the easy people over into the conference room and make that front room our conference room but even then as easy grows we're gonna have to put more people back over there so it's either that or move them into the big office so well he's so got probably. six thousand or five thousand or whatever but yeah uh, no laid out better than he's mine. got six thousand with four thousand for the venue side so that's oh, one yeah. big area right yeah man um yeah. So I've, I've been thinking about doing something like that here. The thing is, my events, you know how we do music all loud. And yeah. and I don't know that I could do that in an office building um, mm. because of the noise. Um, yeah. You know, so that's mm. a project that I'm starting to embark with Caesar right now. We're, we're, we're thinking about where we want to do this, whether we get a restaurant um, and turn it into an event center. Mm. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, and I well, want to turn it into a profit center too. I just don't want to have, do my events and that's it. I wanna, yeah. I wanna do I don't know uh, weddings and things of that nature in there because yeah. I own all the equipment already for it. Right. Um, yeah. I'd love to have a big center like that. And what I was thinking was, you know, like a separate wing where you know a professional podcast studio. Like oh, I did I'm one with uh, Tim Herridge in uh, Dallas. Oh my God, we I met him to do his podcast a week or two ago, dude. It was a legit studio. Like it was impressive. <laughs> it was, I walked in, there was like five cameras. We were in the, the Oprah room. And uh, like, I mean, it was a legit studio. In fact, the, uh, 
Louis Gomer, the uh, what the congressman, was coming in there after us with a with a panel to uh, to be filmed. So it was cool. So I'd love to have something like that. Do you take pictures yeah. of that? I really didn't. Um, but I was telling our friend Cheek that like next time he's in Dallas, because you they'll give you tours to be a client. And dude, they had like six studios. It was really impressive. It was really impressive. So mm. it'd be worth the, if it'd be, <clears throat> it'd be worth the trip to go up there to to check it out to see. I mean, it was they had a studio, and then there was like a production, smaller production room with all the the dials and all the shit, and then another studio. And it was cool, man. I was impressed. I was I was a little taken back. I've never been. It was like going to the news, the you know, the news TV or channel or whatever. So. Well, because honestly, I have the equipment. It just doesn't look like that because it's in yeah. an office space. It's not yeah. organized like. But I, my stuff, like it's we have all high quality equipment, yeah. right? And and um, so, but yeah, we're gonna have a podcast studio and things nice. of that nature. Yeah. Um, I think there's an more, opportunity for that as people realize podcasting and video, and it gets, you know, not everybody, dude. I just had to go buy a fifteen hundred dollar camera, and I'm like, what? What? 50, you know, so to have five of them, right? Nobody could, and that's a cheap camera. That's not even, you know, fucking cheeks running around with $8,000 cameras, a bag full of them. So yeah, I mean, it's expensive to do and people, I think there's, I think there's a market for that. It definitely is brother. So, um, um, anyhow, David, thank you so much for being here today, man. Uh, mm -hmm. We have a lot more, you see, we could be talking here for three hours, four hours easily. Yeah. Easily. We got so much stuff to talk about, but Anyhow, guys, don't forget to hit share, like, and subscribe. Attend Growth February 3, 4, and 5. Come see David. Easy right. area closings and everyone else that's coming to the event. It's going to be pretty uh, pretty cool, and, and we're going to have a great yeah, time. Killer lineup. Yeah, so uh, thank you for uh, joining us, guys, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. See you, guys.